0: Welcome to the Big Black Clock. Let's see what the guys have to say.
1: Well, welcome back to the Big Black Clock podcast, and uh, we have a special episode today—very special. It's so special, I'm willing to say it's going to be the greatest episode in the history of podcasting.
2: And it's also the first episode ever that we have coffee on the table, not only beer.
1: That's very true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it? I'm thinking I'm like there has to be another time we had coffee. No, you're right. Never. <laughs>
3: Only... We're not questioning the episode, the best episode part. Eh? No, yeah. absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> that would be nonsense. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm focused. We have a good idea. So we want... This week's episode, we're going to be diving into the big three. GM, Ford, Chrysler. Right. <laughs> the Big Mac, the Quarter Pounder, and the... <laughs> whooper. Wild card, <laughs> filet fish
0: What? about the chicken? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, no, we're going to talk about Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe, and Vacheron Constantin. VC? VC, venture Capitalism. and um, <laughs> yes. But before we get into that, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Dubai Watch Week. That was this week or last week? Or we whenever, didn't get an invite? I don't get it. I don't know. Well, I'm not allowed in that part of the world anymore. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> After you know, I don't talk about it. But it was beeped out uh, on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but before we get into that, let's do a. Um, uh customary wrist check. So, who wants to talk first about their what they're wearing today? How about you, start, carlos uh big three. So, my biggest watch, I guess, Rolex, Air King.
2: I uh, blanking right now on the reference, but it's the latest. <laughs> it's one one six nine hundred.
1: Yeah, it is cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so you, know, you see, the trick is to put me on the spot for those things. <laughs> Um put you on the spot for everything. It's uh really, really getting a lot of scratches. <laughs> more yeah. and more. So uh can That's you, good.
3: Can you detail it at the at the dealer? I could. In general. But
2: um right now I'm I'm like thinking, do I just like go all in and just wear that like full time and just it's my Rolex and gonna keep it for decades and it's gonna be all dinged up and at some point just send it back to Rolex or have the whole the history behind it? Or like yeah, no, but you but could polish, uh, po- polish and... Um, polish, not the same thing. <laughs> and uh, um, just be more careful with it. But You ever polish a sausage? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: very,
1: very confusing. Uh, so so, so yeah. you, can, you can detail it probably, right? Hell oh, yeah, yeah. Go to any jeweler, they'll do it for you.
0: Yeah. yeah. And they'll polish
1: any polished sides and
2: they'll brush anything that's brushed. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um, now you can buy like... Um, same, same thing as cars, like a 3M skin for Rolexes. That's They're the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's, I find that so
3: stupid. So I you find. put like a cover, like an iPhone. No, you no, don't. You don't watch. see
2: it. It's like a. It's a like a transparent película. Um, like, but you uh, know, it it's there. Yeah, but you don't scratch it.
3: At it's least. stupid. It's like you don't see it. It's, it's, like, like, putting it's, a, it's like putting a muffler on your car. It's dumb. On your, on just your to protect it. Nineteen uh, five. I'm just it, you, But
1: would you actually consider putting that on to your watch? I'm just saying it's out there. I'm, yeah, I but why are you bringing it up? Because like, for someone who
2: might just want to have the, the, the watch become, for like, a year yeah, and debate. resell it and don't have any scratch on it, it's way cheaper to put a, uh, a film on it than get it refurbished. Okay. Right? Sure.
1: Yeah. I guess so.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> like, so much aid. Like, that's stupid. That's dumb. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's just...
3: You, you put it on, on, on a sapphire crystal?
2: Yeah, dude. You put a whole skin on it.
3: Uh, I don't... Yeah, I'll send you the link.
2: You'll, yeah. you'll understand better, I guess. But yeah. It's yeah. awful. Anyway, that's what I'm
1: wearing this week yeah ever since we talked about the explorer i think i'm gonna buy an explorer maybe i don't know fuck i, I love an
3: explorer so yeah. much god damn it the size is perfect too maybe, 36. maybe maybe my next purchase can't I, go wrong right you never lose money on those and what about you dimitri what are you wearing today so i'm also wearing my big watch i'm wearing my speedy oh but i put it on uh, uncle seiko. seiko nice so i got an uncle seiko bracelet that yeah. kind of resembles whatever it is um uh the new uh generation yeah and? A very nice bracelet. It's a little cheaper. You can sell because it's like a stamped, the clasp is stamped. Yeah, but it fits perfect. Yeah. But it fits perfectly and it looks perfectly. Like, it, it's very comfortable too. It kind you of, like? a, it's, it's kind of like, a, gives it a vintage feel. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's also dressy because it tapers very aggressively to like 15 from 20, right? A very, very aggressive taper. Very nice. And um, the other thing I like about it is that it's very, because it's very loose, let's say, the way it fits, kind of like a Jubileo on a Seiko SKX. Right, it's a very very comfortable bracelet. It's very has uh, a lot of articulation. Yeah, yeah. So um, nice. I, maybe a little bit too expensive because almost the same price as a strap code, and strap code uh, built a lot better quality.
1: Yeah, the more uh, intense. Yeah, yeah.
3: Like the the clasp here is pretty is pretty cheap. Of course, yeah. Like really. Like How much phone. was that? This Curious. This was like, I think Canadian, with almost two hundred bucks, like one ninety. Okay. Uh, because it's, I think it's $130. Or one, okay. No, way, sorry. Plus tax and shipping. 130 I think. And then plus, plus tax. And then also was converted into uh, Canadian.
0: Right.
1: All right. Well, uh, very good. Today I'm wearing my Rolex Milga Z Blue, the reference M116400. I went to see someone custom in town and he, he made a strap out of blue Stingray with an interior of leather. Al- Alcantara, Alc- yeah, Alcantara, orange,
3: that's the type Al- of su- uh, Swede. Can Swede? I? No, Swede?
1: no, it's not that one. Then is
3: this uh Aaron Bespoke,
1: yeah, Aaron Bespoke, Aaron, Aaron, A- beautiful, very nice. beautiful stingray, very, very nice. and you can feel how supple it is. And he put it on an Omega uh clasp, it's all bespoke, it's it's 100% uh, custom. Uh, really changes the look of the watch. The dark blue is fantastic, very nice, dark blue stingray. So Aaron B. Spoke. Look him up. Yeah, oh, on a- Instagram. You can I mean, look Instagram. him up. And what's crazy? I was looking up online. I was like, oh, best, um, best uh, straps, blah blah blah. And on most websites, and they refer to him. And I'm mm. like, oh, fucking, he's in Montreal, where we are. So yeah, look him up. There's a great. So let's dive right into it. Dubai Watch Week. Who wants to go first? Just a, a pick. I thought it was a success. I like what came out of it. Why don't you go first, Carl, and walk us through your pick or one that you liked? Um, the new H Moser, but it's new, newish.
2: It's an old. Uh, designed from uh, Moser. Yeah. <clears throat> so here, just going to pull the website. So it's the heritage and it's bronze. So uh, since 1828. Bronze has been pretty big this year, I find. So hot right now.
3: What's the model name? Heritage. Heritage. It's H. Moser Heritage.
2: Yep. So if you put heritage bronze, uh, you should get it. Mm-hmm. And um, the big, big difference on this one, uh, it's a limited edition. Uh, and their logo is on uh, is in Cyrillic, so the um, Russian oh. alphabet. Interesting. <clears throat> so that that's the heritage part of the watch, I think. Uh, the uh, Russian alphabet for the logo, so that's cool. Uh, like Dima always like to uh, remind er- uh, all the listeners that uh, Moser are from Russia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's that's a nice. Um, it you, makes Are, me are think you making fun of me? It makes <laughs> me think of the yes. um, <laughs> always. <laughs> for
1: some reason, when I look at that watch, it looks a lot like the Zenith pilot uh a twenty. can you look up the zenith pilot right there what what's the the name of it yeah, as soon as you see it you'll know what i mean the zenith pilot type 20 pilot twenty type 20 yeah extra special <laughs> but the dial the <laughs> dial looks like it to me
2: yeah the the, the um the, the, the numeral writing the numerals right yeah
1: has that look to it yeah um
2: well, only only thing I I was reading an, an article online and made kind of sense, but Mochar were defending themselves. That they introduced it at the Dubai Watch Week, where all the watch brands are introducing um, Arabic uh, numerals or specific for some um, countries. In yeah, Baltic Baltic released
1: a trio of uh, of uh, of uh, Arabic, ri- not Arabic writing because there are are you know normal numbers are in Arabic, but the the language, yeah, no anyway, language.
2: I, I, I'm I uh, not international enough to know what's that name, but you know, yeah, that, not what we use to uh, to read the dial sound, but yeah, so uh, the bit they're the only one introducing something in, in Russian, and um, you, you should go see it, like uh, Kevin said, it really looks like the um, Type 20 extra special from Zenit, um, something no. that's really interesting, the um. The uh, element on the dial, so all the numerals, uh, the um, lim- uh, luminous on the hands and everything, it's global light, so nice. it's like a flashlight. Yeah, it's like a flashlight. <laughs> those, yeah, yeah, those things are, you feel like they're
1: they are um, built from a slab of like loom. <laughs> I, I like it because I think it looks a little bit different than most of the Mosers that have come out recently. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a Moser specifically. I'm like, oh, yeah. good job. Very cool.
2: So yeah, uh, 50 piece, uh, Cupro aluminum bronze, that's the uh, name of their alloy they're using. Copper. C Cooper, C U P R O, Cooper, Cooper, dash aluminum bronze. Oh. That's the name of the I alloy. Know what that is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so the reason that you using that, it's there. There won't be any uh, green uh, tarnish over time. Very nice. Yeah. So it's gonna stay the like finish the br- uh, brush bronze finish, quote uh, unquote forever. It's a forty two millimeter case. Uh, it's wired log. It's. Um, it's a pocket watch, uh, aesthetic pretty much, uh, with if it was converted to um, a wristwatch. And it's the HMC 2000 automatic caliber uh, in it. And it's an open case back, so you can see uh, why you're buying an Moser as well. Very nice. <clears throat> so it's uh, 18,000 Swiss franc. Amazing. So it's pocket change. Pocket change. For a MOSER. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I was looking, you can get a nice MOSER Endeavor, the sports line, so this is a three-hander sports watch with a rubber bracelet. And I think that watch, you can get it in ve- excellent condition secondhand for about 13, 14000 Canadian. But it competes with like, you know, you're getting into like that high horology, it could be mm-hmm. your only watch sort of thing. Are you going to buy one? No, not that one. Well, I like it, but not, not $14,000 I like it. You know what I mean? At $14,000? <laughs> no, because at $14,000 I could get myself a very lightly used Blancpain 50 Fathoms, right? Mm. Uh, so amazing. it's amazing. H. Moser Endeavor.
2: Endeavor, yeah. Endeavor. Yeah. Like the um, space shuttle that exploded?
3: Is that the one that exploded? Uh, I don't was know. Was it one. the Challenger? Yeah, I thought it was Challenger that yeah. exploded. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Shuttle names. Same thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know trains.
2: <laughs> you know names <laughs> of the CU's capsules. <laughs>
1: <So> yeah, <laughs> now you're looking at the Endeavor, yeah. And if you look down, Oops. what's priced price that? Well, that one is different. That's a limited one. Funky Blue, it's called, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, between 14 and like 60. There you go, yeah. (laughs) Depending on the one, yeah. So maybe I'll go second here. I am really a fan of the Gérard Perejo L'Oreato that was released. So I think it also fits a little bit in the discussions we're going to have today of the big three, because we're going to be obviously talking about Patek's Royal Oak, uh, Royal Oak and Patek's Nautilus. Um, and this one comes off as... And the uh, Overseas. Um, and the Overseas, Vacheron, <laughs> yeah. But that came out much later, right? The Overseas came out in the 90s. So I'm going to talk about that. The first design they did was in the 70s. In the 70s? Yeah. So still, okay, so it's still a, like a decade later than um, then the Nautilus it wasn't called yeah. the Overseas but they introduced a watch in the 70s that was pretty much the okay, those were, okay their but that's Overseas. for a later conversation but like the Laureato came out and it's funny because it came out right in between so the, 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 the OG of it all was the Royal Oak and then the Laureato came out a year before the Nautilus and a lot of people are like oh it's just very similar to it but I, so a lot of people be, might think oh, it's a copy I think it's so Gerald Genta stole it the, the design from somebody else no he came out first with the Royal Oak Gerald Genta right um. So he's like God, right? Just, you don't even question it. It's like he was first. Man, he's the, the only guy. one. But what's it? What's it like with this guy? This guy. He's like he hits a home run every time he designs a watch. And apparently the Royal Oak was designed in a day. We'll I'll talk about it later. But the guy, he just everything he designed was a home run. It was. Cra- it's crazy. Anyway, it's like all the designs were like in a cafe on like a a napkin, a napkin. All of them. One day, twenty <laughs> minutes. Done. Done. <laughs> Starbucks. Boom. 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 Winner. 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 But I, I would say like uh, anyone looking you want an affordable Gerald Genta design or this very similar design, and not Gerald Genta, in this case, Gérard Perejot, High Horology, uh, the Laureato is one of them. And they came out with two watches, of course, following the trend of the year. Green, they come out with a green and blue Grand Feu enamel uh, dial. So it's something that a lot of people like. These, these, these are sports watches, but now they come with this beautiful glass textured dial. The green and the blue just pops. Um... I think they're excellent. Uh, they're apparently... Um, uh, sorry, we'll go back to that one after. <laughs> so the dials themselves, they come with this br- bright um, texture that reveals itself. They call it a guilloche sunray motif. So it also has a date complication at the three. And the the font on the the writing is just re- remarkable. It's just it's really really beautiful. It it's, it fits perfectly with the ah, dial. Doesn't stand out, which is something that I really hate. I don't like dates in general, but they do such a good job with this one. Forty two millimeters, same size as the other ones. Hundred meters water resistance, so we can. Send, you don't oh.
2: like dates like I do. I don't really appreciate a date window, but big dates, <laughs> huh? A big date.
1: Yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's either make it the focus of your dial or yeah. make it so it's subtle and it <laughs> it's make it good or just don't. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. And I feel I agree, they, yeah. they cut corners with that sometimes. Oh, yeah. You look at the. Seiko's and stuff it's like oh they, they just putting a nice frame around the date makes all the difference when they don't and it's like doesn't like, they just feel like they punch it out like they go, oh, exactly was it and, and not stapled but like it was punched out right like a punch yeah. card <laughs> and then the, and the font doesn't quite fit the nature of the watch You're like find a better font for your dates and anyway so this watch comes in with the caliber GP 1800 entirely assembled designed produced adjusted all in house um, fifty four hours of power reserve. It uh, excels aesthetically. Beautiful circular grain, main plate, beveled bridges, gold de Genève stripes on the bridge as well. It's gold, uh, the, it's gold the oscillating weight. Um, so it adds some you know, precious materials to the movement. The watch is priced at 15,200 USD, but each variant is limited to 188 pieces. And I really think Jara Perejo missed it here for that. Even the onyx, the black onyx dial that they have on their L'Oreato was also limited. If they made that, as a regularly produced watch, 15,000 US dollars, I'd consider it because you can't get a Nautilus. You can't get an Ode de Mar-Piquet Royal Oak and this is not a copy to them. This was there before the Nautilus. This is mm. their own watch. I, I really give it credit. Like the Beaumont Mercier Riviera is an incredible, like the the one with the Beaumet movement. Integrated bracelet sports watch it can't go wrong with them. So I think that there, it has enough charm that it's a good alternative. And a lot of people will Ah, uh, it's just because you can't get a Royal Oak or whatnot. No, they have their own, they have their own weight to it. Well, what can you get anyway? Well, all the ones that they're integrated really bracelets. Nice. <laughs> We're looking.
3: Parmesan et Fleurier
1: has that beautiful micro rotor, Tonda. Then you have Sapec that has this beautiful Antarctic, Speaking whatever it's of called. Sapec,
3: huh? Speaking of Sapec, yeah. Uh, he's uh, one of the founders of, of Patek. There you go. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> and that watch is something. If you can get on a list, that that watch goes for like seventeen thousand euros. But it's almost the same price as the Nautilus. That's the point. So you're like, well, maybe I get that, or you get there's GP L'Oreato, um, other integrated bracelets. There's the new Lang and Hazen. Hmm. Uh I believe that's how you pronounce it. There's there's a couple of them out there. They're incredible, but if you can't get them, it's like, it's just such a turnoff, to, so you go away from them. Or the on Odysseus, but you can't get that either. Because they're like, well, you haven't bought another Langa, you can't, you're like, fuck off. <laughs> anyway. So anyway, I think they just missed it because of the fact that they made it limited. If they made this full, mm. I'm, I might, look, I would still maybe my, I mean, look at that blue, look at that green. I might, you know, it's just, it's incredible. Mm. I prefer the blue. F- yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm partial to blue, but it's a Grand Feu enamel. Like, it's not just, sti- like, this is amazing with this beautiful textured dowel. What's it's the
2: um, the Irish brand? The Scot- It's Scottish, and it's Scottish. Anordain.
3: Anordain, okay. Anordain. <laughs>
2: anordain, right? Anordain.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Dimitri, what do you got for us? Um, the one watch that I want to mention from the Dubai Watch Week is the, uh, the introduction of the new Oris um, background pointer date. Mm-hmm uh in blue but the uh, the special thing about it is the first one with the small seconds and that new movement caliber 400 so caliber 40, 403 yeah um crazy movement the watch itself is 38 millimeters and the movement has a 120 hour power reserve it's just it's unreal mm. um that watch is the first one that's not limited that features that mechanism just a nice watch in general i feel i feel like that they they nail it with the small seconds it kind of reminds me a little bit of my almost my Flieger. All right, just the general shape is very similar, but the blue is almost like the IWC blue. If it, maybe maybe if they had a slightly larger version, that would be an interesting alternative as well. Like if they had like a 42 or 43 millimeter, uh, what's the size? Uh, 38.
2: Oh, yeah, it's on the smaller, smaller size, size but, but it's a pilot's a, watch. A yeah, but it doesn't like this, it probably fits bigger too, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, you could probably make it a bit bigger for the oars if they wanted to, yeah, just a slightly larger dial yeah interesting mm. so yeah that's the that's the watch that I wanted to talk about that's a fantastic caliber it's not very cheap unfortunately because the caliber is like winning awards right uh, the 400 for Morris. but the watch is like 3500 US before that
2: watch that caliber was only available in limited edition yeah that's all bold <laughs> Well, like
1: here's a whole caliber that's only in
2: limited the Caliber 400?
3: Uh, uh 403
1: specifically. 403, yeah, I think that was uh, yeah, Lots because the 400, 400 they came out miraculous. it was pretty mm. they had it in their
3: watches, yeah. Um what else did I want to say? Uh no, that's it.
1: I think it was great because the Oris presents a, a watch that is a little bit more attainable, like it's not a fifteen thousand dollar Moser or right. a fifteen thousand dollar GP Lurk. Hey, this is a beautiful and that blue, the black strap and the be- the red tip, it just it fits perfectly with the white uh date wheel around. It's just I find it's a really nice uh, iteration to the pointer date, the vintage font. Like it, it's well done. It's really is well done that Oris.
3: It's a little bit on the pricier side yeah. because of that new mechanism. Thirty four US, it's quite a bit. But that could be your pilot's watch. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's that could be your like,
1: and there's not a lot of pilots' watches in that range of 4,000, 5,000 there. I'm thinking like there's not, not really. really, not really. Yeah, no, you have to oh.
3: go to IWC at that point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Big pilot 43 is like 10. Anywho, but the Zenith, <laughs> nice the Zenith pilot is like 6,000, right? So, anyway, but that's a beautiful, beautiful watch. So, yeah, that Oris is really just a, a winner in my book from the beautiful. release. Really good. Um,
3: uh, you had, um, Become point of date, right? I did the bronze one. You sold it, sold it. I sold the 30 watches, sold it <laughs>
1: 30 watches. Like, thir- no, I'm serious, it was like 30 watches. I sold Chrono 24, man.
2: You want to buy my Rolex for a cheap, cheap price of
3: 8,000 MSRP?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> you know what? No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so do you want to open that? um so let's jump right into it. To the big three, who do we go for with first? Do you want me to start in alphabetical order? Uh,
2: okay, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll finish it up. I'll sure, zip it in. See. I'll zip it out. Zip
1: it out. Zip it up and zip it in. So the first one that we're going to go with is Odemar Piguet. The year was eighteen seventy four. <laughs> the winter was the winter harsh. was harsh yeah, no. and unforgiving.
3: <laughs> so the year you was like Charlie <laughs> from when It's All so Sunny. <laughs>
1: Bird law Um, The year was 1874 So there's two childhood friends They were Well they knew each other as kids But they A and P They became friends friends. Exactly They found each other once again in their 20s After surviving harsh winters After surviving harsh winters In the Valley (laughs) de Joux in Switzerland So there was Jean-Louis Audemars and Edouard Auguste Piguet A year later in 1875 They decided to go into business together and they little did they know they would become one of the top companies in watches 1875?
2: 1875. 1875. I'm like, Vacheron is so old. <laughs> Vacheron's old. Eh? Seven,
1: so,
0: 1755.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. oh, wow. But <laughs> what I like about Odemar Piguet's history here, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, and you're gonna be like, wow, that's remarkable. They were together, they died, their sons took over the company. Each of them. Each of, of them. Yeah. And then also died. And then they also died. And now the daughter is the chairman, but and she, she still runs the company. But she doesn't run it. They have a CEO. So the CEO is so, so it's only three generations? Three, it's like three generations. So it's unbelievable that it stayed into the family. She uh, must be
3: old. <laughs> uh, pretty. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I listened to a, a podcast with the CEO, francois Henry Benamias. Mias. And uh and he's um he's uh, he he's an incredible um you know visionary. He knows how to run the company. Uh but what's what's incredible about him is that when he talks about the the pig the P- family that's on the the board, he asked her, he goes, What do you want me to do with your company, your family's company? And then all she says was I want it to last another hundred years. Like that's it. So they have this like this this history that they they want to keep, the way they do things. They're not trying to be the best, or whatever you want to call it, but... Why only 100 years? Like 101 year, out. Yeah, no, no, no. But like this <laughs> last another 100 years, I think yeah, is kind yeah. of the idea, right? So their hist- what I like about Oldem Piguet at the very start, their history is simple. It stayed within the families from the start of time, and they're located in a city called Le Brassus. Le Brassus is a village in the Valley de Joux, in the canton de, uh, of Vaud in Switzerland, and it's part of a municipality in Le Cheney. And uh, what's crazy is that in this small municipality, you should see it, It's a small little town. They took over a bunch of the buildings. So it's all essentially a- AP and like some cheese shop. So they can just rename the town into AP. Kind of. It's a Toyota they, city. They'll city. have like, sorry, I touched you. They're, they'll have one building that's watchmaking, one building that's manufacturing, one building that's gem setting, one building that's machine uh, sorry, this machining, and then their <laughs> what, main building. One building that's marketing, and they don't do anything. <laughs> <Is that right? laughs> one building that's their HR. Main, the original building, which I think is really cool, is a hist- is a museum of their history. Yeah. So it, they made it into into that. Yeah, uh, Vacheron also have a crazy museum. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. gonna talk a little bit about
2: that. So later. does Patek actually? I'm yeah. sure they all do. Like, but, like for for those companies, like for the big three, they They're like, fucking
0: better.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But this, but like the marketing teams don't do shit. Like oh, those puppies sell themselves because yeah, because <laughs> because it can't be like a shack like in the movie Borat where the guy comes and goes. This is my bed, and this is you know what I do. This. You know, they, you know they have like yeah century of like um, history behind it. So the original building is actually a museum where you can see. Um, which is great for tourists to ki- to kind of see to the evolution of this brand. So they both of the they grew up in, in in this in in this region that already had deep horological roots and they came themselves from generations of watchmaking. So they learned watchmaking at a very young age and they were uh, they studied entrepreneurship when they went to school. Odemar was the highly technical guy. He was the one who managed the movements. He knew production, he knew product development. And really, all of the components for for their 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 uh, timepieces. While Piguet was more of the master watchmaker, he used to actually look at how the movements used to function, their performance. That's what he used to manage, and he inspected every component, made all of the adjustments needed, and he brought the watches uh, really, I would have to say, like to life. And then Piguet really started to work on the business side of it, sales, marketing. And he really took over that role for the company. Mm. Um, and they've been, they have been a, like, like time given, but they they've been at really making groundbreaking creations s- since uh, the start as of it. The big three, all yeah. They really like contributed to it. The reason is, why we called them the big three. And if I start working through it, like the first thing they they first came out in 1892 with the development of the first minute repeater wristwatch. And then in 1899, they debuted the first Grand Complication pocket watch. The model of this pocket watch in 1899, this is what's so crazy, had seven complications. Grand and small strike, which is the minute repeater. Uh, alarm, perpetual calendar, deadbeat seconds. So it would really tick. Chronograph with jumping seconds and split seconds. It's <laughs> It's insane and then things changed for the company when they both passed away uh, and, and what's crazy when was this by the way I'm just I'm when just they curious. passed away yeah like right before shallow. the war
3: started 1918 okay. 1919 so for like 30 years well 40 years they were yeah. pretty much and you know
1: what's crazy it's, it's so I don't say romantic they both died within the span of a year oh uh, yeah
3: from a they died from, broken from a heart. bubonic plague
0: <laughs> or <Wow>. that <laughs>
1: God damn! Like, he died of a broken heart. He died of a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1918 and 1919, they died. And then the business remained in their sons, Paul-Louis Audemars and Paul-Edouard Piguet. And then they continued the family tradition, uh, starting right away with the creation of the thinnest pocket watch uh, caliber in 1925 and the development of the first skeletonized pocket watch in 1934. And they debuted the thinnest wristwatch in 1946 they really became a watch icon I would have to say of course in the 1970s the quartz crisis was killing everyone and Audemars Piguet uh, died from it well no they were all struggling <laughs> and like uh, everyone okay. else was struggling uh, was like and they knew like, they needed to, to do to be bold and then they hired the legendary designer Gerald Genton
3: <laughs> who and that's never a, heard the, of the, the sons from your from sons from second generation. Generation. Paul, Paul and Paul now they're both so Paul they, they, I'm just curious because like there's only been three generations of people running the company right so like they must have been there for a very long time three
1: or four I, I'll have to check if it's the great granddaughter or the granddaughter I <laughs> well, if it's a granddaughter she's like in their 90s <laughs> I don't yeah I gotta 90s, but, check but it could be the great, great, but I know that still family, the, cha- the chairman of the board is still That's a, uh, cool. a family member. It's amazing. Yeah. So then they told Genta that they wanted to create a whole new category of watch. Hey, Genta. Yo. <laughs> Yo, Genta. Geraldo. <laughs> Yo, bro.
0: <laughs> Yo, Geraldo.
1: <laughs> Escúchame. The, um, they wanted to bring up this whole new category of watch, and I think it revolutionized watchmaking itself. They wanted to create a uh, luxury sports watch. That was what they wanted to come out with. And there was no other brand that was doing
3: it. Wasn't Rolex Rolex's motto the same?
1: I don't think it was a luxury, it was a luxury sports eh? watch. It just they, happened to be I think they were just great, but they were just like
3: <laughs> what they advertise it now, it's the everywhere watch, right? It's the yeah. watch that's designed to be taken anywhere in any conditions. Exactly.
2: Are you do advertising? <laughs> I don't think it was advertising.
3: Rolex the everywhere watch.
1: Address on luxury sports watch. So the, the, they had the nah, this is the explorer watch, this is your diver's watch, this is yeah. your pilot's watch. I think yeah. it, not yet. Exactly. So no, here's it's called the luxury, line, but yeah, now it's this luxury sports watch. So they needed a design. Gerald Gento was instantly inspired, and he came up with the Royal Oak. That's in the 70s, eh? This is in the 70s. So the, the Royal Oak is very important because and I think we all need to admit, not admit, but it's just it's important. For anyone who's getting into watches, everyone who's listening to this podcast probably already knows something about watches. Obviously, you're not new to watches. You're not listening to a podcast about watches. It's very niche, but you know, you're the first who shouted me last time. and like, "It's too much noise." No, you were eating in the mic. <laughs> I wasn't eating in the mic. Oh yeah, you were.
2: Okay, go move on. Come on.
1: You, you go take a bite of your cookie. No, it's for later. <laughs> it's for later. <laughs> Anyway, so we came up with the Royal Oak, and it's just such an important contribution to the watch history. And I think that it's it's something that everyone needs to go and do a little bit of of uh, of research about because it's 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 quite important. And it was kind of polarizing because a lot of people were just they didn't understand they didn't quite see the what kind of, of trend it was going to set. And we're going to talk about the Nautilus after we just talked about the Lorio, the bowman Mercer Riviera. That's also a gimmick from them. Uh, the Tissot PRX that I like, they go, oh, it's from an old Tissot that was them. but they were all inspired by that luxury sports watch that was the Royal Oak. And the Royal Oak is the big daddy. It is the OG. It so, is the
2: original. In
3: the 70s, right? Did Just it? a bit before uh, the, the Nautilus. Right? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah, So when is it luxury sport watch in the 70s, right? Yeah. Who do you think they were marketing it to? People playing tennis? People like playing golf or people like hiking? <laughs> I don't I, know. I'm trying to understand, right?
1: Because it's a sport watch or a sports car, I know what, it goes fast, I right? think it was for everyone who wanted to wear a sports watch that wore a suit every day to work. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. So like bridging a bridging logic, gap pretty much. Bridging that gap. Because everyone okay. was wearing a 34 millimeter leather strap, you know, dress watch. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you okay. know what, what if we made a luxury sports watch that you can wear with a suit? Because they, yeah. they all wear suits, right? Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair Hell, enough. you used to wear Fair. a suit when you were a foreman at a factory, right? <laughs> so Yeah.
3: Yeah. So we used to have to wear suits at the call center, which makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> no sense. <laughs>
1: what? Uh. <laughs> Anywho, but these these watch the the, the Royal Oaks really set uh, the tone for the brand. Uh, really had them take off, and it really set the cemented themselves as as being uh, innovators and iconic in that very way. And then they continued on. Um, they were able to create. After that, they, um, they came out with their 30th anniversary. They had Emmanuel uh, Gouet, um who then, 10 years after uh, the release of the Royal Oak, came out with the Royal Oak Offshore. And it was still polarizing, larger, uh, luxury sports watch. Uh, and they continue to innovate uh, uh, to this day. So it, you currently had them um, come out with the the, the Royal Oak. Ten Years later, they had the Royal Oak offshore in 2002 for its 30th anniversary. The Royal Oak treated itself to the Royal Oak concept watch, a very futuristic titanium 602 uh, Alec Wright. Uh, 2002. Okay, yeah, and uh, I wonder what was the like the first quote unquote mainstream
2: watch that used titanium. I don't know, I don't know, right? Because nowadays, like it's a For me, it's a nice metal to see people using for the watchmaking. must be with, like, a quartz watch, right? But even in the car industry, right? Titanium wasn't really a big thing before even the end of the 90s.
3: Is it the big thing now?
2: Now you can find it in a lot of cars, right? Um, They're, like, fully, like, Pagani every metal in the car. If it's not carbon, it's titanium, but... If it's uh, not carbon, it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'll, I'll look into it. I need to find what is the first, like let's say, mainstream brand to right. do uh, titanium. That's interesting. Watch.
1: Check it out, yeah. In 2003, Team Alinghi, sponsored by Audemars Piguet, won the America's Cup. 2004 was the launch of their fourth piece in the Tradition d'Excellence collection. It was 20 pieces. Royal Oak, hand-wound tourbillon chronograph. 10-day, a double 10-day power reserve indication and a 30-minute counter. It was equipped with the twenty-eight ninety-three caliber. The case back and bracelet are made of platinum 950. 2005, they were presented, they presented <laughs> the Edward Pigard <laughs> Moss Agate Tourbillon, the first watch ever with a base plate in moss agate, a semi-transparent mineral whose fine molted pattern resembles tendrils. So this innovation was made possible thanks to the invention of a technique of drilling of fine stones. In 2006... They added a fifth-time piece to the Tradition d'Excellence collection, limited in 20 pieces in platinum. This exceptional watch from Audemars Piguet broke new ground, um, and it was this oval millinery case that housed a perpetual calendar with a linear display. Its Audemars Piguet escapement was based on the design of the 18th century watchmaker Robin Robin Robert Robin, Sorry, uh, functions without lubricant, and it's resistant to shocks. In 2007, the first forged carbon case no you, you go and dry. You go and dry, bite the pillow. Um, so, ex- the first forged carbon case, extremely resistant material. Um, so, so, sorry to cut you there.
2: I got yes. the, the info on the first titanium watch.
3: Yeah, when was it? So it was in the 70s. So, like 20 years before the big thing so in the car industry. Is it during the course crisis that titanium started to be used
0: so, in, as a material?
2: So, it's the X8 chronometer from Citizen.
1: Those Japanese you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so Citizen was the first Bring watch in company
0: <laughs>
1: to introduce um I'm surprised it's not Seiko. Wow. Hearing that, you're like uh, who if I had to guess, like, oh who did it first? Seiko. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> they normally had the first for everything,
2: right? So it was
3: nineteen seventy one. That was my that watch must be very expensive now. It must be, yeah.
2: It's still Citizen though, so you know. Ugh, I can't <laughs> get
3: behind them. I have so much trouble.
1: I have a can't six th- find anything that I like. You talk about them. integrated bracelets. We so have a $6,000 with La Jouperet in-house caliber Citizen sports watch with yeah. a small second. It's beautiful,
2: but it's so, $6,000. So you see, probably not because they use grade five titanium in the 70s and that's like a worst grade. So it's really scratchable. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be
1: like, it wouldn't survive 50 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so sorry to cut you there. I just wanted to no, uh, okay. give the info there. So opening um, in 2009, they had the Manufacture des Forges, which is a new production site that they had opened in the first industrial building to meet the standards of the new Swiss Minergie Eco. So it's environmental certification. So, making it make still it in Belgium, or It's still where they are in Le Brassus. In tw- 2012, 40 years of the Royal Oak, uh, Michael Schumacher... He Became an ambassador for Audemars Piguet 2013. They came out with the first Royal Oak offshore Grand Complication. So, a Grand Complication, I think it's important to share here. Uh, if, if people who don't know, a Grand Complication is exactly what it sounds like it's a grand complication, but what makes it so? I'll give you just a number to make it make it any sense. So, your watch probably has about between 100 and 150 pieces. Your watch, your Omega Speedmaster, probably a little bit more. Um. An IWC perpetual calendar has probably about 250 pieces. Mm-hmm. An Audemars Piguet, Grande Complication, an exploded view like this, contains 1,500 pieces. Oh, my God. There are yeah, only I'm... five people in the world that can work on your watch, and they produce one a year. It's a pretty long puzzle to it's solve. It's a pretty long puzzle. So there's 1,500 pieces in the movement. So when you want, to, when you want a Grande Complication, they're going to make it. And it's just it's insane and and you don't get it mostly for the look you get it for like what's under the hood and if you talk about yeah. it, like it's incredible And that's why the long i think the Lang and sun i'm not sure of the reference the chronograph that we had had we talked about in the grill that thing is like four that had, no sorry i think that thing is like datograph a, i don't know i think it's like 800 pieces in the movement as well it's insane
2: <laughs> god damn
0: yeah, why? So that's a history because Audemars... I can. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> so we have so many movements many o- pieces. and Audemars
1: Piguet is now producing. Uh, I was when I was in their last store, they, they they told me about forty thousand watches a year. So it puts it to perspective what it is that you can actually get. They just came out this year with the
3: new Royal Oaks in green. And how much green. more popular a Rolex is than everybody else? <laughs> <laughs>
1: a
2: million
3: a year, just, right? Just Rolex twenty, 20 times number? more. <laughs> that's crazy.
1: But I think I, what I what I liked him looking and at after Audemars that is Cellini's What I liked about uh, Audemars Piguet is. The story when you see the family continues to run it. uh Her answer to the CEO and just like I want to be the bet. No, it was just like no. Let us. I want to last another hundred years. There's a legacy behind it. They make beautiful watches, and people hate them because they can't get them, I find, and uh, but they 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 just they're, they're they're incredible. What they've contributed and to to have an icon that was able to last stand the test of time, it's the reason why they're in the big three. Yeah. So yeah, that's all they must begin. Do, do, a do we have an AP store in? Uh,
2: we do not. So when we come
1: in Canada, we do. Maybe
2: in Toronto somewhere.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think in Canada, we do. Let me see. Yeah,
2: fair enough. I I just I never, I don't think I've ever seen one. Yeah, no, I don't Same think thing I've with seen Daytona. one. Ever. For me, they don't exist. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen a, I don't think
3: I've seen a Daytona. Uh, maybe I've seen a Daytona. I've yes, seen I GMTs.
2: Have. Never seen a Daytona. Only pictures. I've seen a Daytona one time. I've, I've seen a Daytona.
1: I've seen, Daytona. I've seen Daytonas. But
2: I've s- I, did you just tap the Isn't how ridiculous it is that all, we're no, discussing this? No, they're all
1: two-tones. I've seen the two-tone Daytonas. They have, a, they have those quite like in abundance. Gold and silver, the two-tones. Like in store or yeah, on yeah. someone else? Uh, in no, store. no, I've seen
2: them in, in you didn't store. didn't buy it?
1: It's $30,000. You just sold 30 watches. Okay, so if I go <laughs> and they have, then yeah. Okay, Ottawa. W- you will? Ottawa, uh, Ottawa of Ottawa, Ottawa cities. Sui- Ottawa Swiss watch. I'm there this weekend. You will stop there. <laughs> Ottawa Swiss watch. No, but this is for
3: um, a center. I Find a boutique. Let's go. Canada. Oh, uh, my colleague from work They're was laughing telling at me. me that it's, like it's, not it's, a... Um, it's uh, a better deal there in Ottawa with the Rolex watches. Probably.
1: Sorry, Canada Place, Vancouver, <laughs> yes, <people>. Canada's <laughs> Wonderland.
2: Really? Canada's is Wonderland that a Drive. Isn't that like amusement park? Old Oldemapu- and yeah? Canada Wonderland? Yeah, what is that? It's amusement park, right? It's owned by Six Flags. <laughs> 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 you go up the roller coaster, down to your left, you'll see the AP store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Ottawa
1: Swiss watch. I don't know. Yeah, we'll yeah, anyway, I'm on the But
2: anyway, we, we do have one. Okay, cool.
1: Cool cool, 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 So, yeah, that was my, uh, pay. Oh, my pay. Yeah. Who's going next? Who wants uh, to go next? I'll go next.
2: Yeah, alf- uh, alphabet. Alphabet. <sighs>
0: no, what, wait.
1: Say it? <laughs> alphabet?
3: Al- alphabetic order?
1: Alphabetical?
0: Yeah. Alphabet. Yes.
1: Ah,
3: I there. Um. Okay, let's go. <laughs> uh, curious though, before I continue. So, before the release of Royal Oak, what would be the flagships from AP? Like, before the 70s, how popular was the brand? I, I think they were
1: popular But I don't think they had the level of popularity They had to <laughs> they, were right. they were a micro brand before the 70s No but they were they, <laughs> uh, No but they were, they were They were always They were making high 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 um, High luxury or high horology luxury Right so yeah, if the, you had an open big game, You were wearing a dress watch But you were wearing an AP And you they can They were always find, making luxury Oh yeah always yeah, luxury, luxury. Yeah. Always yeah. always But it was that sports watch I just took it off Because that's And that's been the craze since Right. Yeah. Wants a fucking sports watch. Yeah, well, we I don't know. like those designs.
2: I don't like the oversea. I don't like the. Uh, for me, uh, like they look like a stub sign. <laughs> <Yeah, exactly.
3: laughs> oh really? You don't? You don't like those designs? Uh,
2: I understand uh, the importance of those watches, but those lines don't make it for me. A bit too industrial. I feel like. Right? I would own a like a my,
3: Nautilus or a Aquanaut. Yeah, can't go wrong with those.
2: Yeah. But uh, also, uh, uh, and uh, and
3: gentle, eh? Aquanaut. Uh, i think so and they look
2: you like told me. Uh, you have patek <laughs> <laughs> i'll check we going, a, yes. a, and they look like a like a hublot a, a porthole like the windows on a ship yeah for me it's a bit too uh yeah you know go back to <laughs> <laughs> <The> design, <laughs> but um so yeah all all the craze that's the um yeah they just yeah we just got the prx right oh. so yeah the prx yeah it kind of confirms it <laughs> you don't like the prx
1: you know what? I think for the price, I like it better than all of those, uh, like overseas. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. But there was someone in my work, he bought himself a Tissot gentleman because he didn't
3: like the integrated bracelet. Some people are like, I just, right. yeah. I don't um, like integrated bracelet and you have to. I
2: feel the I feel like integrated bracelet is a commitment to that bracelet for that watch, right? Yeah,
3: but usually <laughs> usually when they do that, they, they have confidence that they have good bracelets, right? Yes.
2: Yeah, but if you don't want to change it, you're kind of fucked.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, you can buy, you can buy leather <laughs> straps for it, but it's not going to be easy. Or so you can be like Vostok, like the one that I have. Yeah. That was almost has like an integrated bracelet. It's like, well, you don't like it. Too bad. <laughs> Change watch. Change watch. Go yeah. buy another. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, who, who are are going to talk about? I'm going to be talking about Patek. Pp. <laughs> uh, it actually, it <laughs> sounds like, like the history. Did you just it like that. Pp. <laughs> Pp. <laughs> 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 oh my God. <laughs> the history is quite uh, similar, actually, to uh to AP in the sense that it's two people that started the company. One of them was more of a, like an entrepreneur kind of guy, and the other guy was the watchmaker. Spoiler alert. Vashkou <laughs>
2: Constantin has two names. Two it's guys as well. <laughs> Got yeah, One guy was making watches, the other one was a businessman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And the businessman's name the is recipe. always the first one in the name. No, not for
1: No? Okay, no,
2: interesting. Vacheron uh, Constantin.
3: Constantin sounds better than Constantin Vacheron. So there's two Polish guys that started the company. It's Antoni Patek and Francis Sapek. And I'm sure you've heard the name Sapec, right? It's yeah. a, like a highly luxurious uh, independent brand. Uh, it was revived to honor the name of the original founder. Well, original, let's say, business venture with Patek. Yeah. And re- the company, to be honest, didn't survive for much longer, for, for much. And then it was revived recently in like 2013 or 2011. Okay. And they produce like really, really high, like so high-quality they're, like, the, the, they're a decade old as of the last uh, rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Antoni Patek himself was born in 1812 near Lublin in Poland. As he was growing up, he moved to Warsaw and then in 1828 joined the Polish First Rifles Regiment. Uh, he was wounded multiple times in battle and he, uh, during his war career. And for his heroism, he was promoted to the second lieutenant as well as decorated with the Virtuti Militari Golden Cross, which is Poland's, like, highest, <laughs> highest military decoration. It's so like it. such a stupid word. Congratulations on your Virtuti
0: award! <laughs> it's <laughs> funny how... <laughs> I got shot,
3: motherfucker, it hurts! I guess it's Latin. <laughs> virtuti! <laughs> virtuti Militari probably is Latin, right? I know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, it sounds like such a so funny so word. So he was, the like fuck? a bunch of wars. Apparently, that, well, there was a war that time. He really was fighting. Yeah, all okay. time. I don't know. Shoot somebody! <laughs> I don't only the two ones. He was stationed in France Take at some gun, point. Shoot somebody. <laughs> as part of his mission, he was stationed in France for a bit. I think it was like an overseeing evacuation of someone. But then at some point, he couldn't really return back uh, to Poland uh, and was forced and decided to just relocate and chose Switzerland as the place to move into. As you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, um, so, he was decorated for his war heroism um, with this Virtuti military Golden Cross, which is supposed to be Poland's highest military decoration. Uh, the guy was stationed in 1832 in, in Bamberg near Munich and was tasked with organizing an evacuation route for Polish insurgents through Prussia into France. So, after terminating the evacuation, he settled in France for, for two years and then was later forced, uh, forced to resettle in Switzerland. Um, he tried many different trades including trading wines, attending painting courses, and trading pocket watches. Uh, started off by buying watch movements and then getting them to Geneva, where he would finish those watch movements with cases.
2: So, you know, he went from like killing people
3: and surviving horrible,
2: probably, injuries, to I'm going to sell wine <laughs> and paint. You know what?
3: Good. Good for him. If you could support, I guess, that lifestyle, right? I guess you don't really need to work God. that much, because if you can just Goddamn. Yeah, go no, painting for sure. after the war. I guess back in the day, like that was a pretty good... Job to have. Once you're done, you're probably set for life, right?
2: I guess, like, if you survive war, yeah,
3: <laughs> mutilation. <laughs> <laughs> all those people that come out of war, they're just like they don't they don't they look, look damaged. Good. <laughs> they don't look so oh, good. Oh, hundred percent damaged. They're damaged goods. <laughs> just just watching that movie Jarhead, they mm. never actually like shot anybody, but just like, came out it. damaged. Yeah, yeah. damaged. Yeah, just, that's a good movie. Yeah. It's a fucked up story. It's really a good really, movie. really good. Movie, but
1: yeah. watch it. Like, look at pictures of you. Like. Grandparents, <laughs> like they're not happy, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, it looks so good. <laughs> grandfather, like, oh, yeah, he's kind of a racist, he's a grumpy guy. He's like, he went through war, <laughs> <laughs> hates everyone. <laughs> I, I know why, you know. <laughs> you know, why it's like he saw the god worst damn. in everyone. Yeah, but yeah. Your friend, your friend has been
2: in action, right? Yeah, and, and he was yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't as you call it, Afghanistan. Lands. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, the, t- the trick is not to drink too much. If yeah. he drinks too much there's some PTSD involved but if not and it comes good. out eh? it's like it's yeah, when he's drunk but besides like, yeah, that he's yeah, good yeah, yeah. he's smiling a lot <laughs> <laughs> but what happens when the laughter stops?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be there
2: <laughs> he loses his mind yeah like, no he saw some fucked up shit uh, yeah 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 that's another podcast oh yeah all right, no it's all right, not all right. we're not doing that podcast ever no, 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 not okay. our podcast <laughs> it's, it's, it's another it's podcast it's another podcast
3: that we were never going to okay do. yeah we're not part of okay <laughs> it's just keep going sorry about that um, so he, he started at some point bringing watch movements into Geneva and then decorating them, uh, getting somebody to furnish those movements with cases. He met Francis, Francis, Franciszek Zapek, who was a Czech born Polish master watchmaker, and he arrived in Geneva in 1832. He anglicized his name and became Francois Zapek. In 1830, so yeah, so he met uh, Francois Zapek in 1839, they started a, a watch factory. They initially registered it as Patek Zapek and C. And it lasted for six years as they were producing... Patek Yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. Patek Zapik. Patek Zappic. It was Patek Exapic. And for roughly six years, they were producing watches, but then uh, producing about 200 watches per year while employing about six people. Uh, to this day, there are still some pieces left, which is a testament to the quality of what they were producing. Uh, by 1945, six years later, due to growing disagreements between Antoine and Francois, uh, they parted ways and both continued to produce watches on their own. Zapik actually became uh, quite established for a short period of time because he uh, teamed up, partnered with him. Um, his partner was a close friend of the, Napole- of the Napoleon dynasty and he was producing watches at some point for the royalty. That's Zapik. crazy. Yeah. He was producing uh, watches for Napoleon III. Uh, for you an know, unknown you, you know better you're, not fuck that up y- <laughs> you know you're old <laughs> speaking of better not fuck that up for for an unknown reason possibly t- due to illness or death francois stopped his business and sold the company in 1869 just like uh, what's 20 25 years ago 25 years after so they split up uh, no reason they don't even know exactly when he died wow okay yeah and that was in 1869 uh, his, death no, his death date exactly is unknown and recently his company was revived in 2011 and is currently producing luxury pieces inspired by the founder's history. Mm. So that was kind of a little bit of a side deviation of what happened to ZAPEC and they just revived the company yeah. recently. Uh, but by 1845, uh, Patek found a new partner, Adrien Philippe, uh, who was also a master watchmaker at the time. And he was actually a renowned uh, master watchmaker at the time because at that point he already had a patent for um, uh, inventing... So he, a, he was credited with inventing the a keyless a winding mechanism using the crown to wind uh, toward the watch stem instead of a key.
2: So Wow, okay, there's a separate action to do like a key, a crown. God, you know, things were not simple back then. <laughs> yeah. You have to wind your car too, right? Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's not winding. True, right? It's just there's, there's starting, no right? starter. So you, you turn the engine so it can start pretty that's, much. That's, that's crazy. Okay. And you know what's funny about that? And I say funny. It's not funny. But, um, you know, an engine can kick back, right? And the little bar that you twist when it kicks back, it's like hundreds of pounds of pressure. So, so breaks people your arms? Were, no, legs. People were, like, getting like, their la- legs, like, broken in half and stuff Jesus like that Christ. because of the kickback. So, people were starting, the cars were... Uh, your maids, your people working for you, and stuff like that, because there are a chance that you lose a leg. <laughs> lose a leg, breaking is, loo- is not lose. No, loo- no, no, no. Back then, you like yeah, back break then, f- you get a coffin, you die, right? Yeah. So, it's so like, oh, you broke your you leg. Ba- it's gone. Ba- wait, wait, wait. <laughs> no, 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 chop it off. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, back then you chop you both of them. Chop it off. Yeah, symmetrical. Yeah, symmetrical.
1: So, femur, right? You, you, <laughs> you walk s- better. You start at the bottom, and you <laughs> oh no, I gotta take a little bit off this one, a little bit off that one to make sure they're they're lined yeah, up. Yeah.
2: So no, like you break your femur, femur, femur. Yeah, but they will kill you. So, yeah, Your femur is just like <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, studying power pa- was an adventure pa- the story. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> so, um, Adrian Philippe was already established as a watchmaker at that point. He was credited with inventing this uh, winding keyless mechanism, which is pretty cool, I think, in itself. It's still used today. Uh-huh. Uh, when they teamed up, both of them, both partners, saw their ideal product as having the highest possible quality, as well as the ability to implement uh, new inventions and uh, solutions. So. This is kind mm-hmm. of what they, I think, I think they probably stand out and they maintain their big three status because of that specific model, right? Mm. In 1868, Patek Philippe produced its first Swiss uh, wristwatch, which was sold on November 13th to a Hungarian countess, Koskovitz. Patek is the only Geneva Hungarian watch countess it's crazy how like they probably all had hookups at that point just that just d- is living in a castle you know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. Was she also and something. she has delivery oh yes <laughs> oh, she yes. has Amazon Prime she has Amazon <laughs> Prime Prime people died to deliver that watch to her <laughs> <he's>, uh, sure. <laughs> oh yeah so, uh, so that was 1868 the first watch uh, Patek is the only Geneva watch honored with the Geneva seal for all move, for all of their movements bearing seal at like 95% so of all of the movements that are, that are given that seal 95% are Patek movements hmm. Patek has been awarded more than 70 patents since implementing the stem winding me- mechanism in 1845 so in 1881 they created a precision regulator 1889 uh, patent for perpetual calendar mechanism for pocket watches 1902 first double chronograph 1923 first split seconds chronograph wristwatch 1925, first wristwatch with a perpetual calendar. So those are their own patents that were like in the early of their career. So,
2: you know, what's? Uh, what do you split the difference between a pocket watch and a wristwatch? Just because you can wear it on your wrist or the case is completely totally different?
1: One is in your wrist the one's your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I differentiate it. <laughs> is, no, is but can I put my the, wristwatch in my pocket? Is yes. That, is that and why I they call the, it that? I know, no, but, why, I know that's why you're confused. <laughs> but... You can't put your pocket watch on your wrist, can you?
2: Well, technically, you could.
1: If you have a of <laughs> tape,
2: like duct tape, <laughs> <laughs> <Duh>. staples, <laughs> staples. Yeah, <laughs> but a, right, a good it, drill. I don't know. Is it my question? Was is it a whole new case, or are they just like welded two new like lugs to,
3: right? Well, at some point, how like the military watches, right? What uh, what are they called? Uh, trench watches, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of started like that. They basically found a way to. Um, Put lugs onto a, yeah. a, little, a little, a little pocket watch, yeah. and then put a strap around it. Okay, and if oh you, no. if you look at them like like Shinola, right? They're trying to look like that a little bit, or like the watches. Mm. Well, they kind of look like just a big clock with lugs attached. We love those. Yeah, exactly. We love the big clocks. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? All right. Okay. So. That was uh, until 1925, I talked to you about it. 1929, following the Wall Street crash, of otherwise known as Black Tuesday, Patek was significantly impacted as well as well many, because many of its customers were not able to uh, make uh, payment obligations. And in an effort not to be bought out by a competitor, they contacted brothers Stern. So it's Charles, Charles and Jean Stern, who at the time were the dial suppliers for Patek. Sharing the mutual desire to preserve and perpetuate Swiss, uh, Swiss watchmaking solutions, Stern Brothers not only helped Patek Philippe out, but took a stake in the company and fully acquired the company by 1932. So that okay. family, Stern, is currently owning, owns Patek. And they have been like, basically they became the Patek owners because mm. they drove the company through all of the innovations, all the most famous watches and it's family owned. So it's always a member of a family who is a president and a CEO. Uh, as of today, the company is still owned by Stern. Uh, the current president is Pat, uh, of Patek is Thierry Stern, and the company now employs about two thousand people and produces fifty-three thousand watches per year. Hmm. Uh, uh, since that's 19- a lot of watches for like a, for a super, super luxury.
0: Like, this? like
2: it's insane. There's a lot of people who need to buy those
3: things. Rolex <laughs> produces a million or one point two, right? Yeah, Which is not, yeah, it's over a million. Yeah. And like, and then we were complaining how they don't produce enough. They don't produce enough because it's not a. Patek.
2: <laughs> but isn't <laughs> it
3: is dangerous to set up production levels so much higher because maybe your demand fluctuates because you're not prepared. If you have so much inventory and it drops, right? Can I ask you a question though? If you... Do you think they have inventory? Bo- bo- <laughs> inventory. If you walk...
1: So I have a question to you. Okay. New world. You walk into a Rolex store. They have all the stock you want. You walk into a Patek, uh, uh, Audemars Piguet, or Vacheron, and you can get anything you want as well at MSRP. I'm, I'm going for Patek. I don't give a fuck. Like the GMT Master 2 is 12 grand. It's 25 for the uh, Patek Philippe Nautilus. I'd save. It's, it's double the price. I know. But, yeah, it's, but, he also but it's a lot more prestige. It's like the, the Everest of watches at that
3: point. And it's not oh, that... Sean unat- has an Everest watch. Yeah. Released <laughs> but it's not overseas. that unattainable. Yeah, but he has like a space station but watch. It's,
1: <laughs> but is it not that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's higher. Yeah. A, a Sputnik. <laughs> but it's not that unatt- unattainable, is it? Like an Obtainium Well, but, but is it like if you can go spend 25 grand and get a Nautilus at MSRP? Yeah, because it, you can sell yeah, it for but, like 150. Uh, you day.
2: know what? Uh, yes, I understand that, but it's But not no, the same you can't right? in my world.
1: My world is because you wrote. can walk into any store and get anything at MSRP, because right? They, like, for
2: example, same if, as if as I take your Milgas or my Air King, that I think right now in the Rolex world are the 200 most out there, right? As yours is kind of green and mine is weird. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Patek won't have something like this, right? So, yes and no.
1: Yeah, unless it's some limited edition. Yeah, I agree, yeah.
2: Right, so uh, I understand what you're saying, that like us as watch enthusiasts, like Patek is like
1: there and if for... It is.
2: Dollar for dollar, we'll always go for the bigger one. Yeah. But I I think that Rolex will still sell as 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 level they sell because if they're right now able to sell one uh, 1.2 million
1: units, it's because... It looks like they are, right? It's not because they're hard to get only. But let's be honest here, subs are eight grand, nine grand. Right. Like, what better bang for buck can you get? <laughs> if you want in your if you're buying watches. I you I want ten, to, I want a sub. You got ten grand, you walk into a Rolex store and goes, You, give you want me a sub. All the Rolexes. But you walk into a Rolex store, you got ten grand, you go, Oh, give me a sub. Like you're done. Like you could mm. be done. You could be like, That's it. I, I've got eh, my, I've, don't got my <laughs> I've got all my wa- like I I don't need any other watch. I'm like, yeah.
3: you know. Um, I'll let me just quickly finish the We'll, we'll let you finish. Part, uh, Don't look at me.
1: Don't finish. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so once they got acquired by the Stern family in 1932, they started producing all of the like all of the famous watches basically that we know Patek by now. Uh, 1932, Patek launches the first Calatrava reference 96. Such a cool name for a watch. eh Yeah, I, I love that name. I just just Calatrava. Coolest, yeah. You, you yeah. also
2: like the name from Carlos Booker They have pretty cool yeah. names.
3: Yeah, I do like the Monero Manero. Yeah, mm. I know what their other names are.
2: Buy compacts.
3: <laughs> no, There's that's Hedge. a type of... Uh, yeah. John Wick, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the John, the John Wick special. <laughs> um, so, 1932, they released, released the first Calatrava. 1944, they win a record number of first prizes for precision in the Geneva Observatory uh, competition. 1949, they, they patent for a, a Gyromax balance, so it's adjustable balance wheel. Instead of a weight adjustment screws on the outside of the rim, Gyromax has turntable weights recessed into the top of the rim. 1953, patent for self-winding mechanism, caliber 12-600 AT. Uh, 1959, patents for time zone watches. 1976, they launch the first Nautilus reference 3700. In the 1997, they launch the first Arconaut 5065A. I'm not sure if Akronaut is also Gerald Genta. Was he still at Patek for that, at that time? I don't know if it he did like that seems like it's now. been 20 years. He was everywhere.
2: Like, come on. Every time we talk about any brand, Given is like oh, Genta design, and he has like a semi cocker. So yeah, that's
1: it. It's a semi erection, is what you say? Semi cocker. Hey, I got my Gerald Genta design watch. I'm super happy with Did it. You Which sell one? It's great. No, no. Which I one? The, the Bulgari. Perigo? Oh, the Bulgari. The Bulgari oh.
2: is, a, is a nice G Shock.
3: Yeah. You do didn't sell it yet. No, I love that watch. I'm gonna keep that watch. That Bulgari is amazing. It's so great. Did you sell any big watches?
2: <clears throat> you have uh, your Panerai.
1: Yes. Club Monaco? Yes. I have my NoMos. I kept some of my big ones. I guess I got rid of everything else. You're
2: consolidating up, right? You're, yeah. you yeah,
1: yeah. trimming the fat. That's a good way to do
3: it.
0: No, it really
1: it is, is it's, yeah. the, it's the only way. No, but I have like 18 <laughs> watches. I, I know I have right. the 18. And like six of them are Seiko. I have a Casio. I did buy. Like I, I've been selling watches and I bought, I bought because of you. Uh, but I, I was interested in before, not the chronograph, but I bought a Casio Oceanus. Oh, nice. Black Friday nice. I paid I paid like 500 bucks for it Canadian cool. But it's not the chronograph It's the regular 300 right, right, right.
3: It's fucking awesome Are you, it's, already, it, you already received it? Oh yeah nice.
1: Titanium It's atomic clock right? So it just like Fucking sinks With It's it's to the second It's beautiful And I'm like Okay if I'm gonna get A Casio That's the one I'm gonna sell Everything else of Casio right? Yeah, my Seiko box My Seiko box Has like the Casio Sianis I got my two Seiko SKX's Cause I'm gonna keep those I love those um, I have my, my Bruce Lee, my Pogue, and then I have okay. my um, my Seiko Presage, the one that I call a Grand Seiko for a grand, right? Panerai. Um, There's the one that doesn't have any glass on it, right? Well, it does, but it looks like it doesn't. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> AR like crazy. Then I have my Panerai on one of the stands with the two, right? So have Panerai Rolex. The other one, I have my Bulgari, and I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for, uh, what's it called? My... Um, Ming, Ming, that's right. That you'll get in 2023. Then in that box, I have my Stova, my Omega Seamaster, and my uh, C- C- oh, Gérard Perejo, yeah. My And then in the row below that, I have my Hoyer Monaco, my Nomos. And I'm waiting because I got... Um, oh. I, uh, no, no, I ordered, no, I was on the waiting list. I ordered the Baltic uh, Aquascaf Duo Crown.
3: Oh, nice. Like a memo- it looks like a memo box. Uh, yeah, a- yeah, I squash. Really- the exactly. Squashy, exactly. Yeah, the Martin legume. The <laughs> legume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oui. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sacre so, bear. Sacre bear. Um, <laughs> right.
1: And that's all I got. Everything else I sold, I kept the tag word uh, but I, I sold everything else.
2: Yeah. No. Fini. goddamn And I'm going to uh, get I, one I'm watch. I'm waiting
1: for a big three watch. A big three. Uh, anything else no. is disappointment. Then I'd have to sell, like I was just thinking, it was like maybe sell my Panera, I'd get a a, 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 a a Blancpain. But One that we didn't mention here, I wanted to mention, integrated bracelet, a sports watch. I was thinking that's very that's affordable. You can get Cartier Santos. We didn't think of that. I I love
3: love the Cartier Santos. Santos. Yes.
1: Anyway, back to Patek. Sorry about that. So I'm
2: pretty much done with Patek, actually. (laughs) So not back to Patek. Back to me. Hey guys,
1: that was part one. A long one. We talked a lot. So come back next week. So if you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on Big Black Clock Official on Instagram or email us at BigBlackClockTeam at gmail.com. Send us your pictures, corrections, ideas, insults, and let us know if there are any pieces you want us to review. With, of course, the caveat that we can afford them. As always, be good to each other, eat good food, have some drinks. For those of you always watch shopping, happy hunting. Thanks for spending time with us, and we will see you next week.